The Gospel According to Matthew Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into into eternal life. Gospel of the Lord. What can be said about Jesus' bizarre parable in our gospel reading for today? It's a lot like Miley Cyrus. It comes at you like a wrecking ball, does it not? And if you don't know anything about Miley Cyrus or her wrecking ball, kudos to you. You are making wise decisions with your life. But this parable, my friends, if you grapple with it, if you wrestle deeply with it, you will soon discover that it's actually really really scandalous. Why? Because like a wrecking ball, it demolishes all of our religious dogma. It deconstructs all of the stuff that we're supposed to believe in as Christians. It levels to the ground all of our churchy ideology. I mean, think about it. How do the people in this parable, or the sheep as Jesus calls them, how do they inherit the kingdom of God? 
Is it because they believe the right sorts of things? Because they never flunked out of Sunday school or catechism class growing up? Is that what gets them in? Is it because they are orthodox in their ideology with all of their dogmatic ducks in a row? Is it because they have right belief, right doctrine? No, not according to this parable. This parable mentions nothing whatsoever about how these people believed the right sorts of things about God or the Bible or the kingdom or heaven or hell. That's not the thing that got them into the kingdom. Well then, was it because they were baptized and confirmed? Was it because they received the Eucharist every single week of their lives, like good little Episcopalians do? Are they good sacramental Christians? And that's why they have inherited God's kingdom. But again, the answer is no. The sacraments aren't even mentioned once in this entire story. Well, then clearly they've inherited the kingdom of God because they have followed God's law to a T. They have fulfilled the Torah and lived up to the Ten Commandments, right? But again, where are the Ten Commandments mentioned in this parable? Where is there a direct reference to the Torah in this parable? No, that's not the thing that got them into the kingdom. Well, then, they have inherited the kingdom of God because they have, at some point in their lives, accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts as their personal Lord and Savior, and now they have a relationship with him, thereby enabling them to immediately recognize the presence of Christ everywhere. The presence of Christ, for example, in the hungry person, or the thirsty person, or in the stranger, or in the naked or in the sick, or in the imprisoned, right? No, <laughs> not right, again. How did the people in this parable respond, remind me? What did they say? Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and we welcomed you in, or naked and we gave you clothing? And Lord, when was it? that we saw you sick or in prison and we visited you. These people didn't see the presence of Christ in any of the people they cared for, any of the people they served, like, at all. So how do the sheep, the people in this parable, inherit the kingdom of God? What did they have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? The answer? They cared for people. <laughs> That's it. They cared for people. They loved their neighbors as themselves. And in loving their neighbor, they inadvertently also loved Jesus as well. Now, here's the thing that makes this whole parable even more scandalous and astounding. We don't get the impression, I don't at least, that these people loved their neighbors out of some sort of, like, religious obligation. In other words, they don't seem to be loving their neighbors for God. They are loving their neighbors for, well, their neighbor's sake. I mean, think about this. If they really were trying to show their devotion to Christ, 
by caring for other people, you would think that at some point in their lives, they would have recognized the presence of this Christ in the people they were serving, but they didn't. At no point did they see the presence of this Christ in any of the people they served. No, for these people, these sheep, caring for a person in need, that was an end in and of itself. In other words, in serving the poor, these people weren't trying to serve Christ in the poor. They were just serving the poor. For them, justice work was not a means of devotion to God. Justice work was actually about serving those who needed it. It wasn't about winning brownie points for Jesus, right? Or with Jesus. So the question is, what are we to conclude then when it comes to this bizarre parable? Are we to rid ourselves of all religiosity when we set out to love our neighbors as ourselves? Are we to strip ourselves of all spiritual motive when we serve other people? Are we to rid ourselves of all desire to do the will of God when we love other people? Are we to rid ourselves of all thought of God as we pursue justice? The answer, my friends, is scandalous because the answer is yes. The answer is yes. The sheep in this parable weren't thinking about God, weren't thinking about Christ when they served others, and at the end of the day, nor should we. I told you this parable was scandalous, (laughs) did I not? Now, before you brand me the heretic, let's go deeper still. We can. What are we, religious, spiritual people, to make of Jesus' words here. My friends, consider this. When we begin our spiritual journey in life, it's a lot like setting out to hike a mountain. At the beginning of your hike, the very beginning, you find yourself standing at the base of the mountain, looking up at it. You can see the mountain towering over you. But the higher you climb, the more you progress, the less you can see the mountain. Why? Well, because now you are on the mountain. And once you reach the summit, you can no longer see the summit, not because the summit doesn't exist anymore, but because you're at a different place now in your relationship to it. My friends, once you reach the summit, you don't see the mountain. Rather, you see from the mountain. You don't see the peak. You see from the peak. The same is true with our journey with Christ. At the beginning of this journey, Christ seems like an entity that is completely separate from us. And don't get me wrong here, he always is. We're not pantheists here. But here's the thing. The deeper we dive into our relationship with Christ, the less we start to see him 
And the more we start to see from him, through him, in him. This is why, my friends, the people in this parable, the sheep, they couldn't see the presence of Christ in the people they were serving. They couldn't see this Christ because once you've become Christ, there's no Christ left to see. Just as once you're on the peak, you can no longer see the peak. Rather, you see from the peak. And is this not what Paul is telling us as well in his letter? Paul says that we are Christ's body. But not only that, we are actually the fullness of him who fills all and all. Our union with Christ is so deep, so intense, so immersive, so enveloping, that Paul can actually say that we are the fullness of Christ in this world. This is why Meister Eckhart, in one of his most famous sermons, could say, I pray God to rid me of God. I pray God to rid me of God. He didn't pray this because he wanted to become an atheist or anything like that. He prayed this because if you can still see the summit, it just means that you've not yet made it to the top. As long as you still experience God's existence as being something that is outside of your own existence, you've not yet reached the summit of the kingdom. Or as Meister Eckhart would say, as long as you possess the will to do the will of God, you haven't ascended to the highest point you possibly can yet. My friends, there will come a point where you will no longer be able to draw a line between your will and God's will, between your being and God's being. As one theologian has said, as long as we are aware of the difference between God and our own selves, between the I and the thou, we are not truly one yet with God. Just as spouses become one flesh, we are to become one with Christ. My friends, The goal of human existence isn't to live for Christ. It's to live from Christ. The goal of human existence isn't to see Christ, but to see from Christ. After all, in our tradition, we don't pray to Christ, do we? No, we pray through Christ, do we not? Thus, we don't serve those in need for Christ, but we serve those in need through Christ. We don't love our neighbor for Jesus, but we love our neighbor through Jesus. My beloved brothers and sisters, like the sheep, may we all get to the point where we are so close to Jesus that we can no longer see the presence of Christ in the hungry, in the thirsty, in the stranger, in the naked, in the sick, or in the imprisoned. 
And may we all boldly pray that God would rid us of God. May we all climb so high that we can no longer see the peak.